Listen now to God's word as it comes to us from Psalm 19, verses 17 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. And our gospel lesson this morning as it comes to us from the gospel of Mark. Chapter 9, verses 38 to 50. John said to him, Teacher, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we, we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may your spirit that rests in our hearts, our very souls, activate in our minds 
so that we might get, get a glimpse of understanding of what your word might mean to us yet today so that we may reflect your face outside these four walls in all that we say, all that we do, and all that we are. Amen. The collection of sayings that we read this morning is difficult for us to hear. The amputation metaphors with their references to the fires of hell. I can just envision the pastor pounding on the pulpit. They're inevitably perceived in in legalistic terms as words of damnation. Not grace. Not grace. Yet, we should be able to recognize the metaphoric use of the language in these sayings, which were part of familiar proverbs in Jesus' day. They were proverbs in Jesus' day. The folks listening to him at that time would have no difficulty recognizing the fact that Jesus was speaking metaphorically, was not literally suggesting that we remove an offending body part, an appendage. I believe these saying challenge us to examine the quality of our discipleship. Is following Christ at the core of our being? Something too precious to be surrendered lightly? Or is our Christianity merely a matter of taste and convenience? Something we shelve, something we shelve at the slightest difficulty or inconvenience. Belief that is easily set aside cannot be faith. The faith that Jesus calls for among his disciples and for us. The text today reminds us and suggests to us that that through hospitality, and we're going to have some hospitality soon, I I can assure you, right? There's a communal solidarity when we have that hospitality. We have obligations to one another. We should not wait for the time of personal crisis to look for support from others. Neither should we assume that the way we live our lives is merely a private matter. Everyone around us is either better off or worse off than we are depending on the kind of salt found among them. Look at their communities. Immediately after after the 9-11 attacks, at an outdoor service in a baseball stadium, the Mets baseball stadium, it pains me to say that, but the outdoor stadium at, at the Mets Prayers were offered by religious leaders for many, many different traditions. A group of the diocese of a bishop who participated in this service, they started a movement to depose him because he was participating in this service. And by participating, he had recognized the legitimacy of the prayers of others. 
the burning question that humanity has continued to ask itself over and over in its existence is, how do we keep the integrity of our own community without isolating ourselves from others? The first followers of Jesus confronted the issue when they came across someone who was casting out demons in Jesus' name. They tried to stop him because he was not following us. He was not one of us, one of their group, and they wanted to keep the integrity of the way of Jesus, the power of Jesus, perhaps concentrated in Jesus and his followers. What would happen? I wonder, I wonder what would happen if everybody started doing things in the name of Jesus. Jesus had certain powers and through him the disciples had been given those powers. We've been given those powers. The disciples were adverse to allowing others outside their own group to exercise such power. Even recognizing that power, even if it was for the good cause of casting out demons. When they told Jesus about the person, Jesus somehow did not seem concerned about the situation. He said, don't stop him. Don't stop, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to speak evil of me. Preserving the power of our own group did not lie in parallel with Jesus. Because preserving the power of his own group was not a priority for Jesus. If, if good deeds were being done by others, their actions were to be affirmed. Jesus went on to say to the disciples that they themselves were going to be ministered to by outsiders and will come to a blessing both to themselves and to those, especially for those that aid them. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear my name will by no means lose the reward. I wonder how we can keep our own identity and still, still be true and open to those outside. There's no simple answer to that question, but every community, every community needs to be aware of where that timeline is drawn between insider and outsider. And the impact of that decision of how to relate to others, those within, those without, those inside the four walls and those out. The word of Jesus to his disciples reminds us to be sensitive to the issues involved. And his words push us to run, well, to run some risk in relating to those who are not part of our community. In our women's Bible study on Tuesday, as we study the book of Corinthians, we, we discuss the challenges Paul and the early church faced. There was a dispute in the Corinthian church that, 
that centered around the people who were in the congregation that followed and were baptized by someone. Paul writes to us and tells us, do I belong to Paul? That's one faction. Or Apollos, who is leading the Corinthian church. Or Cephas, who was leading the Jerusalem church, Peter. Or do I belong to Jesus? Has Christ been divided? Or was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? You, you don't belong to me. Oh, I go to Pastor Ken's church. No, no, no. You don't belong to me. You, you don't belong to Charles Stanley or Dr. Jeremiah or even Billy Graham or even Dr. Mott or Mike Tatum. Folks, we belong to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of and of the incarnate God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are siblings, not rivals. We are called, no, we, we are commanded to work together for one common cause. Some of us are called to teach and baptize, some to sing, some to play the piano and drums and organ. Some are called to govern. Some are called to lead. Some are called to spread the good news. But we, we are all, all of us, are called to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. His news, His teachings, His, his love. We are siblings united and bound together by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, called by God into fellowship, regardless of our gender, our age, our sexuality, our orientation, status, our denomination. Whether we're fat, whether we're skinny, whether you name it, we are all called into the fellowship of God's Son. Jesus the Christ, our Lord. Jesus had to deal with the disciples' unwillingness to welcome the outsider. Jesus pointed to some other concerns his disciples and we would face as, as leaders, concerns that all of us who seek to minister in Christ's name will face. Jesus warned us against putting stumbling blocks in the way of others who are seeking to find their way toward faith in him. He reflects a vivid language of what was taking place in his time by the Romans. If you went against Rome and the Romans, it would be better for you if a great millstone, 
a hundred pound stone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. What are the risks for us if our failures of love, our distortions of the way of Jesus, our too narrow understandings of the truth, our quickness to pronounce judgment cause others to stumble as they're trying to find the way of faithful living. Jesus also warned his disciples and us about the risk that we may stumble even ourselves. He declared that if our hand or foot or eye causes us to stumble, it's better to get rid of it than to miss the way of God. These words were spoken not to outsiders. Those words were spoken to the insiders. The ones that were close to him. To those that were seeking to follow. His intense words alerted and warned them and us that the righteous, the sovereignty, and requirement of God must be taken seriously. Now Jesus closed out the lesson today by talking about the salt of the world, the salt of the disciples, the qualities that would preserve and enhance their community. Now, I'm on a no-salt diet. No salt. I understand this message. I get it. I get it. Have you ever had a steak with no salt? Corn on the cob? Popcorn. Uh, No pickles to munch on. No salami. Salt is in everything. Salt is in everything. That's why it tastes so good. I yearn. I wish Michael Sexton was here to hear me say this. He didn't pay me to say this. I yearn for a breaded Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich with waffle fries. And then he could plug his ears. A Jersey Mike's Italian hoagie. Perhaps a cheesesteak from Philadelphia. Or a Whopper with cheese. I need that extra helping. uh, That extra helping of Jones potato salad. That I'm not allowed to have. When salt, when, when that salt is added to food, ah, to the food that we all love, it enhances the flavor. But I don't need to tell you all, y'all. I, I don't need to tell you. But what I can tell you is that if I have my say on my last meal, it's going to include a bag of Cheetos A big bag of Cheetos. From Jesus' point of view, it becomes clear that the disciples and our saltiness involves being humble in our relationships with each other, giving of ourselves for others. 
reaching out and accepting all the people around us. We are to be at peace with one another. In our saltiness, we are to be at peace with one another. And maybe, maybe that peace, maybe that understanding, maybe that love, maybe that outreach starts with sharing more Cheetos. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you, and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.